This portion of the episode is sponsored by Found Studio Shop. Looking for unique gifts curated by an artist? Shop online at foundstudioshop.com and explore delightful selection of gifts for the holidays. Handmade jewelry, ceramics, cards, and more. Or pamper yourself or your loved ones with candles, gift boxes, and locally made bath and body products. All of this and more is available for your shipping or local pickup at 4337 Hartford Road in Northeast Baltimore. Browse whenever the mood strikes at foundstudioshop.com or come in for an in-person browsing. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Ladies and gentlemen, we are on location again. You know I like being on location and meeting all my neighbors in Northeast Baltimore. Today is going to be a very, very special, special episode. They all are special, but this is very special. So I tried to get a, 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 let's see, a meeting with this person, her company, a long time ago. And I was like, I'm so excited. I, I found out about this really awesome bakery. And we missed each other. She was busy. It was holidays last year. This last year's time. We were like, we're going to reschedule. But finally, good things come to those who wait. So I'm very excited to have Miss Allie from Bramble. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Happy to be here. Happy I'm, it finally worked out. I'm so happy, finally, that we make it happen. I really do. And, you know, it's just a beautiful thing because you have one of the coolest bakery shops in Baltimore. Thanks. And we want to welcome her to Northeast Baltimore. So I'll do my applaud meter after that. For that. <laughs> But I'm so excited to have you here today. I mean, we are in location at Bramble, and it's just exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We have been... Baking in the kitchen for months since April um, and getting to use the cafe space finally and getting our tables delivered just recently. It all feels great. It's so nice to be settling in and actually putting down roots. Folks, so. you might you might want to get to watch this on YouTube because this is live and direct right here. We're live <laughs> in the studio. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful in here. And, uh, you know, I was uh, gaining some glass and glass of weight coming here to make this stuff. So I'm very excited. So. Let's get down to the business. Let's get down to it. So, Bramble, baking, let's, let's talk about it. And let's talk about you first, first and foremost. Are you from Baltimore? I'm not. Uh, so, I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, the Adirondack Mountains. Um, and I moved to Boston for about eight years for school. Uh, was not baking in a totally different career when I was in, in the Northeast. Uh, and then I moved to Baltimore after grad school. Um, well, PG County, and then uh, fell in love with Baltimore and slowly moved up here from there. Um, So I've been here for about six years now, um, and my time in Baltimore has been super defined by Bramble. Um, So the two are very connected for me as I settled down here, and um, yeah, but not from here originally. Okay, so... Slowly making it home. I always ask every person that comes to the show, what is your favorite childhood memory growing up? I love this question. I used to be um, an educator and worked with lots of young people. So I love thinking about childhood and fun things. Um, But for me, growing up in the Adirondacks, um, in this like really beautiful mountainous area um, and doing, I wasn't the most athletic, but doing outdoor things, uh, appreciating the space and uh, just like the beautiful uh, forests that are that are up north was definitely a highlight of my childhood and I would say like the part I miss the most I don't miss living in like a more rural area for sure but I miss um 
you know, our school system was even like surrounded by, by the foothills of the Adirondacks. So I miss like being in the mountains. Uh, and that was definitely my, uh, the place where lots of like highlights from my childhood happened, swimming in lakes in the summer and, and all that. So, but there is that here in like Western Maryland too. So <laughs> not missing out on it entirely, but, but yeah, sort of spending time in nature was, was the highlight for me. That's pretty dope. Did you know I'm from upstate? You are? Did you, we didn't know that, did you? How did we? Uh, no, I didn't know that. Syracuse. I don't think. I'm from Syracuse. Oh, okay, yeah. great. So a little yeah. bit more western. A little bit yeah. western, yeah. A little yeah, bit I'm like from practically Vermont slash Canada. So okay, like way yeah. far northeast in New York. York. St. Yeah. Lawrence up that way. Yeah, yeah, a little bit south of there. But yeah, yeah super beautiful. I know that, Syracuse yeah. is too. You're yeah. not that far from Montreal. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I had a lot of friends that went to school there and love to visit. But yeah, don't miss the winters. I bet no, you don't either. No, I don't miss any of that. <laughs> no, I don't miss the snow. No, we're good with that. Yeah. So you did undergrad in Boston? I did, yeah. Yeah, and grad school. Okay, where's what school did you go to in Boston? I went to Boston University for undergrad and studied art history, and um, then I went to grad school at Harvard for arts education. No. So I was working in like art museum education specifically um, with really young kids in art museums. So I worked with lots of like pre-K programs, uh, worked with teachers who were, you know, teaching in schools or interested in bringing their students to art museums. Um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time in a very different, like, academic, uh, academic world. Yeah. So, okay, okay. So now I'm trying to figure out, trying to get the connection here. So we're, <laughs> it's a we're, big pivot. We're, we're, we're going to do a big, we're going to figure this pivot out. So, obviously, were you, when you were growing up, did you enjoy cooking? Were you into, were you baker? No, no. I, I was curious So, about I that. mean, this is a, I, I think it's a great question. It's a question that a lot of people ask and sort of like assume I would have had a lot more experience in the kitchen that I did, but I was absolutely not a person who like grew up at my grandmother's hip in the kitchen (laughs) or like, you know, I think my parents did their best cooking, but I I wouldn't (laughs) say like our home was defined by like really great food or like, you know, we were busy. We were like getting outside. We weren't spending a ton of time in, in the kitchen. So it really wasn't a thing I identified as really important to me until later in life. Um, yeah, really wasn't, you know, I've kind of found family recipes that I love to tweak and adapt, but a lot of them are, you know, like my family's mac and cheese recipe is from Betty Crocker's like microwave cookbook from back in the day. And I, and I cook it in the oven, in the stove, but like, uh, you know, we weren't like, they're great classics, but they're not, the way that I bake now or the way that I've like connected to the local produce and things like that. So it's really been a thing that's been a uh, sort of part two in my life, a, a winding path, if you will, that, that wasn't super family based. Yeah. Okay. So we ended up, you down, ended up in PG County. Mm-hmm. Were you teaching down there too? I was, yeah, I had, um, and my partner was a music educator at the time too. Um, so he was teaching in DC. I was commuting to Baltimore on the Mark train, uh, to Camden Yards every morning from, uh, the Riverdale Mark station, walked my way up to the Walters Art Museum. So I was working in Baltimore, but living in PG County. Mm. And so that's really how I first got to know the city was through the Walters Art Museum, through teaching there, through spending more and more time in Baltimore, through my coworkers who became my friends, uh, just sort of became more and more comfortable here and decided I really wanted to live in Baltimore instead of PG County and move closer to Baltimore instead of DC. It just really was a city that resonated. Um, yeah. That's, sort of, that's, again, the love affair. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Um, so you, so now you, we've got you from Boston and the PG 
to Baltimore. What was the what, what was the what was the big thing about Baltimore that was like so amazing that you were like I'm I just connected with this beautiful city like it's it's we call it the charm city you yeah. know like it's charming like what made you like I don't want to be DC yeah I want to be in Baltimore I um I mean the people first and foremost I really found myself um, connecting with my coworkers and also um, like different arts events and artists who were working from and out of Baltimore. Um, and so my partner and I began spending like more time here, going to shows after work or in the evenings. Um, and my musician partner also began to make a lot of like connections with other musicians working in Baltimore. It's a really great like new music scene, the visual arts folks making work in Baltimore um, were really exciting to me at the time, some of whom I saw performances from at the Walters. And so I began to sort of like get this sense of this web of creative folks working in Baltimore specifically, who were also like uplifting each other and collaborative in a really interesting way. There was like a competitive edge to DC that didn't resonate with me a ton and you know I'm I'm sure that's not the case everywhere in the city um, but just like what I was coming across and sort of the the more like DIY sort of work together energy of of the Baltimore like artist community was really exciting to me um, and I had started Bramble while in PG County um, but that wasn't defining my life at the moment I was still you know living more in like the visual arts world and so I was just really excited by folks collaborative energy here and just like the specific I think Baltimore has a very specific creative energy that's really exciting to a lot of people um yeah and is where we both my partner and I both wanted to be full-time and have no intention of leaving now that we found it so folks we'll be right back we're gonna find out about the name Bramble where does it come from we're going to find out when did it start. We're going to find out also, how did we get here? How did we get here to Northeast Baltimore? <laughs> the big question. That's the real big question. We'll be right back after these messages. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information, on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at indowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harper Road, Suite 1. And folks, we are back on location at Bramble. And it's can't, I'm so excited to be here. I mean, luckily there's no food here right now because <laughs> I probably would fall asleep on the camera and, and be like, you know what? I'm good. Have this croissant. Oh my goodness, the croissant, the sandwich. Oh, <laughs> the sandwich, folks. If you don't know, let me tell you, you got to eat that with two hands. Like that's how big the sandwich is. And um, we'll have some video for you guys, you know, for, for all the food they have here. And again, we have the owner, Miss Allie here. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, we're going to talk a little bit about where did the name come from? Let's find out where the name came from. Let's talk about when did this all start? Yeah. Um, so back in uh, 2017, uh, when I moved to PG County, had left like the Northeast, the part of the country I'd lived in most of my life. Um, I found myself with not a lot of friends in a new city. 
new place, working at this new job. Um, and I got very into baking as a way to spend my evenings and weekends and also just become more familiar with, you know, what produce was at my farmer's market around the corner from my house. Um, I started using baking just as a way to become familiar with the region and the place that I found myself in. Um, the name Bramble, <laughs> it's, it's for my grandmother, who I spent many uh, summers with in Vermont, um, picking wild blueberries with. Uh, and wild blueberry bushes, if anybody's picked from them before, can be really uh, brambly, for lack of a better word, really tangled, really knotty. And um, so we spent lots of summers uh, picking blueberries in those bushes uh, and the name Bramble as sort of like something that calls to mind like thorny bushes and lots of things you have to like dig through to get the berries mm. um, and sort of like the wild nature of that uh, really resonated with me when it came time to like pick a name for this baking project that I was doing. Um, I sort of on the fly decided I really wanted to participate in the holiday farmer's market uh, that I was attending as a customer. Um, and I, I needed to pick a name. I needed to like create a thing. Uh, and so I didn't have like a plan for that beyond just wanting to bake some things for my immediate neighbors um, and just, you know, put the moniker Bramble on it to have a way to sort of formalize it. Uh, this cottage food baking I was doing out of my apartment. Uh, and uh, yeah, just sort of naming it for my grandmother who is, like I said, not a big food family. This one grandmother, my literal Granny Smith. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's I have a Granny Smith. A Granny Smith. I love it. I love it. I love it, um, You know, she was always preserving. She was like the the one of us in the family that I sort of watched, um, you know, use a lot of harvested fruits mm. and like use local produce and preserve things and have gallons and gallons of maple syrup in her Vermont basement and sort of <laughs> like the way she approached food of all my family members uh was the one that like stuck with me so I named it for her I love it I love it folks you can you get some jewels and gems behind the scenes stuff now now you know the name of it yeah so when you first went to that farmer's market and people bought your product how did that make you feel like when you like, wow, people are really into yeah. like, what were your thoughts? It was wild. I think like I've always been a person that uh, definitely has some imposter syndrome, um, <laughs> especially when you're doing something that you're not like formally trained in. And the world that I was in before um, in art museums and, and uh, studying art history, you know, you work for like years and years there's a lot of gatekeeping. You work mm -hmm. for years and years to like get to the position you get to. Um, spent a lot of money on expensive degrees and spent a lot of time in libraries and sort of like got my accreditations, you know? Um, and so to kind of like take the leap and just show up and hope that folks liked what I was baking was kind of out of character for me and really nerve wracking. Um, so when people were so excited about, I just did pies and, and like sort of a Christmas assortment of cookies and seeing how tangible that was. I had spent so long like in libraries studying this sort of like amorphous stuff and it's not always like super direct to share that with folks. Um, but like the tangibility of like sharing a cookie with someone and like sharing pie with someone and having that like human exchange like food is such a fundamental way we can communicate and share with one another and so 
that participating in that first farmer's market, like really hit me in that way. Like, wow, this is so direct. This feels so special. Um, really made my like absolute mess of an apartment kitchen and like the chaos I had created in the kitchen to do that as a non-trained baker. Like it really made it feel, feel worth it. Um, so that was kind of a spark I'd say for sure. So from there you says 2017 and then, uh, like, when did it start getting a little bit, like, you know, you started picking up a little more, like, business? Like, when did you start doing a little bit more? Yeah, so I'd say um, uh, Instagram was really important for me in that way because I was just sharing. I enjoyed taking photos of the stuff that I was baking. Like, baking was definitely central. But um, then I sort of began to share um, Bramble on the Internet, I guess, and sort of began to pick up kind of occasional special orders from neighbors. It was definitely very, like small scale word of mouth and I was doing this you know while working full time um, at the art museum still oh, yeah. anyway so like I didn't have the most time to carve out for it but I definitely began to just like keep putting it out there um, and began making like special order cakes and pies and stuff like that after that first farmer's market um, I found that wherever I live um, folks just really love baked goods and really love having a bakery to go to. And uh, they really feel like there can't be enough in their neighborhood. And it's just a really, like, it's a space and a thing to make that gives people, like, a little bit of joy. Um, and so I just found that there was, like, enough demand to sort of, like, allow me to keep inching towards baking more and more while in Riverdale. And then when I moved to Baltimore, that's when it really, like, picked up more. So were you, how do you train yourself to bake? Like, I mean, I have no patience for baking. Because I know you got to have like a certain ingredients, a certain amount. And I'm like, listen, I have no time for this. So I respect yeah. the bakers because that's me. I can cook a mean steak and everything else protein wise. <laughs> but baking is like, you know, this much salt, this much this. And how do you like, just as you learn it just on your own like did you youtube it google it i mean so many books okay so, books okay so many okay. books like baking books and like cookbooks were huge for me in that way um i can't even tell you how many like books i've obsessively baked through um and and some workshops in person that were like really formative to me as well did not go to culinary school though so mm. did not go a professional route and I'd say there was no substitute for just like pure stubbornness. I am a Taurus, and so I will, <laughs> I will stubbornly like stick in a situation, even if it's like somewhat uncomfortable at times. And maybe like people would give me the advice to not keep trying. But I think like as soon as I moved to a commercial kitchen space, as soon as I was like baking and sharing space with others that I could kind of like organically learn from as well. Um, just persevering through that and learning my tools and tricks for staying organized, learning things that folks would traditionally learn at culinary school, like sort of on the job um, and just sticking with it and being okay with like making lots of mistakes and errors was like ultimately the only way that I was going to learn how to bake at the scale that we're baking at now. Um, so it was a lot of trial by fire. Um, I always hear a small business owner say like, oh, you're building the plane in the air as you fly. And that's definitely true. Mm -hmm. um, and then like as soon as I, as Bramble became more than just me, like that's when I'm learning the most, right? Like from my now co-bakers 
um, who some of whom did come from like a formal pastry school uh, training and background. Like I've just learned the most from the folks that I've surrounded myself with and um, feel so grateful for their friendship. And now that Bramble is like more than just me, you know, we can only get get better at some of that like more formal like baking side of things and the technical side of things and it's so great to cross train with one another and like learn from each other i, I love it i love hearing that so all right so we are when you moved to baltimore what year what year did you move to baltimore uh 2018 okay. we weren't in riverdale park for long yeah we weren't in pg county for very long before deciding that baltimore is where we wanted to be at and you had the instagram popping as a young kid says popping <laughs> and, and you're getting a little bit bigger you're getting a little bit bigger you still have a full-time job mm-hmm. your partner's doing the band thing doing the music thing doing it you know you start to have to God, make some decisions there's yeah. some decisions you gotta make here and the, the demand's going a little bit higher when when do you when do you have that moment of all right i can't do both of these at once right now yeah. when does that moment come for you so i will say that cottage food baking in Maryland, baking from your home, really hard to do. Uh, it's hard to do for many reasons because it's your home kitchen and, you know, things can get messy if you're trying to bake a lot out of that. Um, but it's, you also kind of have to commit pretty early on in the process for like health department reasons and like food safety reasons and things like that. And as soon as you commit to baking in a space that's not yours, you're looking at a much higher like cost of operating, of course, because you're looking at a space and trying to get yourself set up there. Kitchen space can be really expensive if you're not committed to making enough to make that worth your time, right? So it kind of... um, Back to that Taurus stubbornness, like you, you reach a lot of points, I think, in trying to start a food business where you kind of have to make leaps of faith because otherwise, you know, the law is demanding that you sort of like leap farther than you might be ready to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard to, to not have to make those decisions. Um, and I'd say like definitely to go back to when like I first hired someone when it's not about you and you're not only like making your own livelihood obviously that's a big push too um yeah I will say I'm always really cognizant of like growth too quickly because a huge part of me uh wants to make this sustainable for like our bodies and like our lives and our uh you know food can be really hard to work with in terms of like long hours and to balance living outside of your job. Um, So I think like it's always been about finding that balance and making sure that everybody I'm working with feels healthy too. Um, Yeah, but it's a hard, it was a hard decision. And I think like I just slowly was not resonating as much with work in art museums. Again, that like tangibility of sharing food with folks was like kind of what was pushing me towards taking the leap full time. So in, in 2019, I um, quit my job at the Walters at the beginning of the year to try and try and make it happen and to be able to bake for a lot more cafes in Baltimore um, and start baking for the farmer's market and things like that. So, Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery 
and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harper Road, open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com, and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by OpenWorks Baltimore. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welders and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun and free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore be more for class schedules, membership options, and more. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-awarding cuisine from falafel to scallops and everyone's favorite honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday and serving brunch Saturday 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. With delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials as well. And folks, we are back. And again, we are here with Miss Allie, the owner of Bramble. And uh, I'm so excited. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, I'm educated by listening to everything she's saying. I love the story. This is a great story. And I hope a lot of people listen to this and understand like, hey, you don't have to have formal training. You can figure it out yourself. There's a lot of things out here for you, and she's walking us through her, her whole journey. So she quits her job, the nine to five. Insurance is gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Insurance is gone. So um, at this point, you start putting in product in different places. Mm-hmm. What was the first company that said you went and they're like, we would love to have your product in our yeah. store. What was that? So Instagram was helpful for this too, because I'm just slowly putting, you know, images of what we're making out there in the world. Um, and because we had this commercial kitchen space that we moved into around the same time, I I officially quit my job and decided to do Bramble full time. Um, there were a lot of cafes in Baltimore, mostly coffee and tea shops, who were like, "Hey, we got the beverage side of things set." We need just like a few pastries each day of the week um, to offer with like our drinks that we're making. So shout out to Deer Globe Coffee, which no longer exists on North Howard Street, but was in in, uh, sort of like North Mount Vernon there on Antique Row. Um, Mm, And uh, it was a shop opened by Leanne Navarro of Deer Globe Coffee. um, And you can find... uh, Leanne's Roasted Beans uh, places in the city still, and she's working on a new space now. But it was a really small cafe and a cool space there, and so we started baking for Deer Globe and then for Pillion Tea as well, which is also sort of in Midtown Belvedere right by, like, Symphony Hall there. Um, So lots of places sort of in in Midtown Baltimore. Um, And Pillion had a great tea program. Deer Globe had this great coffee going on, so we got to bake sort of for a tea shop and for a coffee shop, which gave us a little bit of, like, experience baking for both menus. Um, 
And then from there, we really started to realize, oh, these aren't the only folks that are looking for, for baked goods um, in the early mornings uh, to deliver. Uh, my husband started making the rounds and became our like sort of Bramble Street team delivery person. Um, so he was delivering uh, before long to um, sophomore coffee as well. Um, and then to Bird in Hand Coffee and Books in Charles Village and to Good Neighbor in Hamden. Um, so when we were going, you know, all wholesale all the time to all these cafes, we would be baking in our in our old kitchen and then would send everything off in the morning uh, to the cafes and then start prep for the next day. But wouldn't even be going to the cafes ourselves, right? Like we wouldn't be even doing the delivery. My husband kindly was doing that. And so we would like send these things out into the world um, but then you start to feel disconnected from the folks that are actually eating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once we started doing the farmer's market on Saturdays, it was like, yes, like reconnected with, with like actually being able to drop things off to the customers. Um, and, you know, the ideal dream is being able to serve them in your own space uh, where the brick and mortar sort of like desire started to come into play as we were, you know, sending our baked goods all over the city, but not actually getting to share them directly ourselves and to like get that interaction and that feedback. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite a little jumbled map of where we were. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love it. <laughs> I love things it. all over the city. Yeah. I love it. I love hearing that. Um, so I guess I was tell people this story. I was at a brunch club meeting and we were eating dinner and the person said, Hey, I have desserts for tonight. And she was like, desserts. Okay. Where'd you get it from? Bramble. I'm like, a Bramble? What, what is a Bramble? What is this thing? <laughs> and this is right before the pandemic. Uh, I want to say this was winter of 2019. And she was like, try these cookies. And it was egg yolk cookies. And then there were some other unique, and they were like, yeah, they do unique twists on everything. And I can't remember everything, but it was delicious. So at that point, I was like, all right, who are these people? And like, you know, I started finding out you got to go early to, you know, Waverly. And when you get to Waverly, folks, the line would be wrapped around the corner <laughs> for some pastries. Wrapped around the corner. So, you know, I go and introduce myself. Hey, how you doing? You know, and they're like, oh, hey, how you doing? I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Let me just watch how they move. And I'm, again, I'm so excited to have them on the show because, you know, to see where they are now, it just, it just blows my mind. And then it's like kudos to you guys for having that vision Thanks. for yeah. what you're doing out here. That is really impactful. So, you talk about the brick and mortar. You start thinking about it. You start like, and we're in the middle of a pandemic when you're thinking about a brick and mortar, which, yeah. is, which is even wilder. So what, what went into that thought of mine of, I need to get a brick and mortar and be set up shop? Like, how did that take us to the process of, everybody probably wanted you in the city. How did you end up in Northeast Baltimore? Um, oh, gosh, yeah. So we actually looked at this space that we are in now, um, the January before the pandemic started. Uh, and it was Tom and Josh uh, and Sam who reached out to us, big, you know, sort of developers along Harford Road, had bought this building um, and were looking for a tenant. Uh, and we toured the space in January, right before pandemic year. Um, and we honestly weren't ready for it then. We couldn't afford it. Um, I think like big elephant in the room that I should just mention in this conversation in general is like the amount of money it takes to even rent a space, let alone purchase a commercial space, which we are like absolutely not at the point of being able to do. But like we just have always been 
uh, like an unfunded sort of individual funded, like fund ourselves as we grow business. Um, and so we just like, quite frankly, don't have those resources. Um, and even to like be able to rent the building as it stands now, I was relying a lot on my partner to like be able to financially float us through that time. So there's like a lot of privilege wrapped up in that, that like we just weren't there pre pandemic, not because we had some like premonition of what was to come for the next two years, but like, it just wasn't the time for us to have a brick and mortar yet. And then, um, fast forward a couple months and we were, you know, pretty glad we didn't jump on the space. Um, but after we, you know, a whole calendar year had gone by, um, the whole, you know, year of COVID impacting food businesses and every industry a ton, um, we, because we had been participating in an outdoor market that was open air and relatively safe for folks to be at, uh, we were actually in a better financial situation after the year of COVID than we were because we just hadn't been participating in the market. Um, so we owe it to having like, you know, a safe outdoor space to share our stuff. Uh, and by the time I was thinking about spaces and it seemed actually possible for us, I reached back out um, to see if this building was still available. And I think, you know, partly because of the pandemic, nobody had rented it out. So, uh, and it had been a bakery for years, um, Hamilton Bakery and then Batch Bake Shop. And so I think for us, the idea that it was a bakery space that we could continue to operate in, you know, put our own twist on, make our own products and make it our own, but had this like history in the neighborhood as a community bakery really resonated with us. So it was kind of like the perfect space meeting this neighborhood that we were getting to know at the same time. But I wasn't super familiar with Northeast yet. You know, like we, most of our shops were in like North Central Baltimore. Um, so just as I did my research and, you know, came across like your podcast, came across folks that were like so jazzed about Northeast. I was like, okay, there's like something special about the way that folks lift each other up here specifically. And that married with like sort of the magic and romantic idea of working in a bakery that's been a bakery for many years, just really, really got us. We didn't have to pay for a build out. Like, you know, this is already a bakery space. You know, we got to use it the way it sort of was set up to be and, and make it our own um, for a lot cheaper than we would have been able to. And so we could focus on paying our folks more than like the industry is typically able to. Well, we thank you and we appreciate you coming over here. We really do. You were at the farmer's market on every Tuesday here, introducing folks to Bramble because probably a lot of people didn't go to, probably didn't even know about Bramble over this yeah. morning, I would say. And how about, how are the clients coming from normally that Saturday? Are they starting to trickle over this way? Are they starting to understand? Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's kind of like you got to train your clients now yes. to listen, this is where we are now. Make the journey. You can make the journey. And we have more available for longer. Like, we never wanted to have that sort of, like, scarcity mindset and have, like, a line for folks to, like, have to get their pastries. <laughs> like, the dream is always to be able to, like, create a space that can move slower, be, like, a calming, welcoming bakery space, not, like, this sort of chaotic long line you have to wait in. I'm not, a, I wouldn't wait in our farmer's market line personally. <laughs> uh, so it's really nice to like be able to bake more for folks and be able to bake new things here too. Uh, but yeah, definitely getting the word out slowly but surely and, and inviting folks to come up to us, but then also just meeting a lot of new folks from the neighborhood that did not know us from the farmer's market. Um, 
that have become, you know, regulars too. So it's like a mix and match of both in a really lovely way. Um, yeah. So we're, this episode will be out after Thanksgiving. So when can they start ordering pies for Christmas? Because, you know, I'm a sweet potato guy fan. People like pumpkin pie, um, you know, pecan pie. Yeah. That, I mean, what, when is the cutoff date for that order? Because this episode is going to come out December 6th. So when's the cutoff date for you guys? So you have all the way until the 19th, okay. which is a Sunday. Uh, and that's going to be for our Christmas orders. Um, I will say we'll have, uh, this is coming out on the 6th, but the last day of Hanukkah. And we'll have Hanukkah specials for the, the last night of Hanukkah too. So don't want to forget to mention that. And then um, we're also doing New Year's orders. Mm. Uh, and the cutoff for that is going to be... Um, the 29th of December. So right after Christmas, we're going to do kind of like a back-to-back big Christmas bake and a New Year's bake as well. Wow. You get, I'm getting hungry now, folks. I'm getting really hungry right now. Thinking about all these amazing goods. And I, mean, I just want to thank you for coming on the show because I really appreciate what you're doing and what you brought back to the community. I remember Batch was here, loved coming here, and I love rolling out my bed to come in down the street. <laughs> and then I think Northeast really deserves it. And I'm Think about it like this: the bridge is opening next year. I know. So that's going to be even Actually, more traffic. I think really soon. Yeah, right? really soon. Yeah. So that is going to be even crazier. So again, I mean, thank you so much for your time. I know you're getting ready for Thanksgiving orders right now. What is your top three pies that you sell, and what are the top top three things you sell out of your case? So uh, we have not been able to make enough breakfast sandwiches to start with what we have in the, in the shop, uh, the bacon, egg, and cheese that we make uh, using lots of stuff from Andy's, uh, who is a vendor at the Waverly Market that we developed an egg and bacon mm-hmm. <laughs> relationship with. So we've got lots of breakfast sandwiches. That's definitely the top, top thing we can't uh, keep enough of in the case. Um, for pies... Uh, we, for Thanksgiving, are baking a ton of brown butter pumpkin with a little bit of streusel on top for some crunch that pumpkin pie is usually missing. Um, we're making a purple sweet potato pie with some toasted meringue on it. Mm. That's been really popular in the case, too. Uh, and also has this beautiful purple color with purple sweet potatoes from Moon Valley Farm. And then um, maple bourbon pecan. Oh, my God. Which has a little layer of chocolate in the bottom and doesn't isn't made with any corn syrup, so it's all maple syrup sweetened, which gives it like a real lovely maple taste that's very uh, very Vermont for me. And then apple cheddar rye, also an homage to Vermont, a little sweet and salty apple pie. Wow, folks! <laughs> hey, check them out. Where can we find you on IG? Where can we find you on Twitter? Are you on? Are you TikToking in Baker right now? Are you doing TikTok? Not TikToking yet. <laughs> I'm almost there because I do think there's like some ASMR aspects to like decorating cakes and, and baked goods in general. So gotta gotta get some videos on there. But so far we are mostly on Instagram at Bramble Bakes and uh, on Facebook same same spot. Uh, not on Twitter. Leave that more for for pundits and folks that have more to tweet during the day. It's hard to get on your phone when your hands are covered in dough also. So sticking mostly to Instagram and Facebook. Uh, And then we're at BrambleBakingCo.com where you can find all updates on on what pre-orders we've got going for what holidays and all that good stuff. Yeah, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Because that's that's when you find out when they opened up early. So subscribe. And again, thank you, Miss Allie, for your time. This has been an amazing, amazing. I'm so happy we had behind the scenes 
Uh, we'll have some video footage coming out with all the big goods and whatnot. So excited. And uh, again, folks, love, peace, happiness. We're out. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Remix Bar and Grill, located at 819 East Pratt Street, just north of Harbor East. Remix is a sports bar offering a sole food menu. With over 20 TVs, pool tables, outdoor patio seating, and private rooms, Remix is set up to be your premier downtown destination to watch all your favorite sporting events. Open from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m., Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 a.m., Friday and Saturday, and 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday. Check out Remix Bar and Grill on Instagram and Facebook under at R-Y-M-K-S Baltimore for daily happy hour specials and weekly events. Remix Baltimore.